it is the ability to understand both strategy and tactical skill. This is one of the things that my mentor taught me. One of my mentors taught me early, early on. Um, I was very tactical. I was like, let's do this. Let's do that. And she really made sure that I took the time to understand strategy and actively built strategic plans and how these strategic plans ladder up to overall company goals. Um, so that I knew how to best tactically execute a plan. And so over the years, I really learned that many people understand strategy or tactical execution and not both. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Empire Life podcast. I'm Allison Ramsey, your host and the founder of Empire Life. We're a mentoring and coaching company that guides female founders in scaling their online empires and their online, their their complete empires from A to Z. And today we're with Ashley Klein. She is our special guest. She's the co-founder of Ice Cream Social and the EVP Executive Vice President of Client Strategy for Ticket Socket. And recently. Ice Cream Social had a new investor of NBC, so it's a huge deal for them, amazing accolades, and we're going to dive more into Ashley's life and her success here on the podcast, and I'll hand it over to her to intro herself a little bit more, too. Yes, thank you, Allison, for the introduction. Very excited to be here, fan of the podcast, and always love um, chatting with other women and um, being a part of that community. Uh, as you mentioned, I work with TicketSocket. We're a white-labeled uh, event software company, and Ice Cream Social is a social referral tool that allows you to turn all of your customers into influencers for your brand. And I've been doing digital marketing myself for over 15 years, so that's uh, a majority of my background. And at TicketSocket, what I do is help our clients with their marketing strategies to help them sell as many tickets as possible without increasing their marketing budget. So we focus on a comprehensive strategy and little tactics and tweaks and optimizations along the way that we can do to help them sell tickets. To sell out, essentially. I'm, I'm guessing. Absolutely. <laughs> like to fill the yes. seats. I have Always a quick goal. Of, of course, I myself, I've had a lot of different events and I'm at the point now where I want to have really curated, elevated events that are for super niche down and for like they could be previous clients or current clients and small group of women. Whereas before I've had also the events was like, it's very low ticket amount and everybody come and let's get Empire Life known and each other's businesses known and network. So I have done all of the in-between and the events. I was wondering if you could tell me what is the main difference between, I know, I'm sure maybe you get this question a lot, between Ice Cream Social and Ticket Socket and Eventbrite. Sure. Great question. So we'll start with Ticket Socket and Eventbrite. They are essentially competitors in, the, in a sense, but we kind of touch for the most part different type of client base. Um, Eventbrite is a little bit more self-serve where 
Anyone could sign up, create an event, sell tickets. Uh, Ticket Socket, um, we do set you up with your own website and we're what's called white labeled. And what that means is no one knows who Ticket Socket is. We don't have a brand that people know such as Eventbrite or Ticketmaster. Um, we are a software in a sense that you would use just like if you build a website like on WordPress or Shopify, nobody really knows that you're using WordPress or Shopify unless you make it known. Uh, we disappear behind your brand. So your ticketing URL, uh, the name that appears on the credit card transactions, those are all your brand and TicketSocket never appears. And then one of the biggest differences is because of the way that we collect payments, uh, we do it uh, through your own merchant processor. So as someone purchases a ticket on the back end, we split off our ticketing fee and that goes into our bank account and all of the rest of the money goes directly into your bank account where companies such as Eventbrite in many cases will hold on to your funds and release them after a certain amount of time, whether that is you know, after 30 days, 90 days, post-event, it, it kind of depends what kind of event that you're running. Yeah, I've had that experience with Eventbrite. I I think for me, it was 30 days after the event happened. Yeah, and that and can be tough. It is tough. It, it was, a, I, I a few of my events, I had people want to, like they meant to buy a ticket and they paid at the door instead, or they wanted to pay me in cash. And to be honest, I was like, yeah, please pay me in cash because yeah, it's so much better. Yeah. A few people paid me, it, it, you know, it double a little more costly for sure. Yes, and for I, sure. I, I yeah. love those differences. It takes funds to put on a, an event. And so <laughs> it's important to have that liquidity and, and being able to access your money in real time. It is. It makes it more worth it. Yeah, more, more advantageous of your time. And for sure, dude, there was a lot of events when I first started Empire Life that I didn't charge for because I was able to find sponsors for food and drink of local companies that didn't yeah. charge me. I was able to find a free event space because I was a member of the of the area of the club, and. Then I started to realize I I think I have enough value when I'm bringing in amazing speakers. I need to start charging for for the event. Absolutely. And now I'm at a point where it's like, if I'm going to do that, I really want people to invest and it be super curated to them and like a, more of like a luxury experience. Absolutely. The, the last thing I would add to that really is uh, your data. Data is such an important piece today, and your customers are your greatest asset when it comes to your brand. And by using your own ticketing platform, you don't have to share your data. And where mm. and other companies such as Eventbrite, your data is being shared and it's being served up other events that are competitive, and oh. or even if it's not competitive, but on the same day or time that becomes a conflict for people's time and so um, by owning your own data and being in control of who's marketing to them uh, and nowadays we saw this with COVID how important to, how important it is to have control over that that data and being able to market to your customer base 
uh, when mm. things change very quickly. That's true. How do you get, I mean, we'll, we'll dive more into the challenges that you've overcome in a second. How do you make sure that people are seeing their events? How do you encourage like through social media or? Yeah. So great question. That is essentially my role at Ticket Socket is I help our clients with their marketing strategy. Uh, so even if you're with another platform, a marketing strategy is still important and that can be a mix of things. And, you know, we look at your goals, who your target market is, and we create a plan based on that. And typically it involves us, uh, many different things. We've got clients that, you know, do a lot of social media ads, email and SMS. Those are kind of my big three that are always a part of a successful marketing plan to sell event tickets is email, SMS, Facebook ads. And then some of my clients also do a lot of other types of marketing, such as, you know, billboards or um, some of them that are very on the ground oriented. They'll do, um, you know, like coupons that are passed out at grocery stores for a lot of circuses, or they'll do radio, TV, um, all kinds of things. So it just kind of depends on the event, what kind of, you know, media attention we can get and you know what what your database looks like so it's a very custom approach yeah it sounds like it and those are all incredible it the feedback and advice what would you say is the first sms software that you use readily or that you recommend so i have sure, clients so that... ask me that and i feel like there's constantly a revolving door yeah for new great ones. question i have two that i use almost exclusively um, I'll use others if a client already has it and that's just what they want to stick with. But number one, being attentive. Uh, attentive is a very fast growing company. They have really mastered SMS and um, right now that is really all they do. Uh, and it, they do a really great job at it. It allows me to do SMS marketing for my clients that they've never thought was possible. We can do things like abandoned cart marketing, post-purchase upgrades, uh, and then, of course, your standard SMS blasts and a lot of really neat things. Um, the other tool that I use uh, mostly for email, but they also do SMS, so I use that as well, is called Active Campaign, and that is a CRM solution, email marketing platform, my favorite tool, so I use that as well for, for SMS. all combined? Do you, do you use all I, the areas of Active Campaign or primarily the yes. SMS? Yeah. Yes, I use all the areas of Active Campaign primarily for email, but then um, some clients that don't have attentive or kind of want everything in one place will use it for email, SMS, CRM, all the things. Yeah. That's incredible. I have been using ConvertKit for a while, but I've had clients who swore by Active Campaign. And there's another one that's not coming off the top of my head. That's a really big one. And I think Marie Forleo uses it. I can, I'm not, it's not coming to me right now. Yeah, not sure. <laughs> HubSpot, but, uh, Clavio, there's a yeah, lot of them. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of, maybe it was HubSpot. And I had another client that was using, well, that's for social, but like Sprout Social. And yes. I just I love use Sprout Social a lot. Oh, you do? Yeah. yeah, for social media scheduling and reporting. That's probably one of my That's favorite That's your favorite tools. one? Yeah, for sure. 
I don't know, I love talking technology, but I want to dive a little bit more personal and especially as a female, you know, vice president and co-founder and being, I would assume in the event space that is primarily uh, male uh, oriented or from what I've seen uh, in my own experience. And if you want to add on to that about some challenges also are personal challenges that you feel like you've overcome to help you and support you to be a better businesswoman, you know, out in the world or entrepreneur. Sure. I guess as I really think back over the past, you know, 16, 17 years that I've been in business as an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges that I've overcome is nothing external it's internal. And I'd say somewhat of like an identity crisis. If I think through some of the, you know, most challenging times in business, it was when I am just at that moment where you stop and ask yourself, you know, what am I meant to be doing? Why am I doing this? Am I making an impact? Am I just, uh, you know, robotically doing this day after day? Cause it's what I know how to do. And you know, I really had to take time to get quiet and, you know, maybe take some time off, whether it's a few days from work or I've even take months off work to really allow myself to figure out where I'm going and always kind of course correct along the way and allowing myself to get out of doing mode and get back into that creative mode. And when I find myself in these times of little bit of identity crisis. Why am I doing this? Is it good enough? Uh, I realize also it's, it's usually attached to a little bit of burnout. So sometimes after taking a few days off, I come around and say, oh yeah, I love doing this. And I just need to, you know, do things like getting back in a good routine. Those are, or, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great advice also in, in giving tips about it's okay to take that time off. Uh, you know, you're not quitting. You're slowing down to speed up. Sometimes I tell myself that I need to slow down to speed up. And absolutely. This entrepreneurial path, it's not just like anything in life. Nothing is linear. You're not always just on the tra- trajectory going up. Mm-hmm. It's okay to take steps back. It's okay to take time off. You can't always be go, go, go. So as you said, that slowing down helps you speed up. Exactly. I'm, even yesterday, we I went to go, I took my daughter to the chiropractor and the physical therapist. So she's involved in a lot of sports. And then we went to go get a massage because she had school off. And yeah, it's ironic. I I always still find it counterintuitive how when I'm taking that time, it could be steaming or getting a massage, stretching, meditating, that it's almost as if I'm freeing my brain to then have all of these ideas start flowing. And instead of it's, it's it's not forced and it just starts to to flow in and I get I get answers to questions also that my unconscious was battling or I'm trying to unravel and all of a sudden it comes to me oh I know what I'm going to do about that 
Does that happen for yeah. you too? Oh, yes. Yeah. I am a big fan of the long hot shower. <laughs> a lot of great ideas and thoughts just come to mind for me there. You know, it's, yes, it's time alone. The kids aren't around and you can just think and you're not in that doing, that doing mode. Yeah. How many kids do you have? I have two kids. I have a 13-year-old boy and a 10-year-old girl. Okay. Yeah, my daughter is 15 when, when we're recording this. So oh, nice. the, we have that in common. I didn't even know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the teenagers in the house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're preteen and, and teenager. Yeah. I find myself saying that every day. Oh, well, you know, it's a teenager thing, I, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I hope. <laughs> Most sure. of the time, I'm super grateful that we get along. And I I say that in an empathetic way. I was a teenager at one time. Um, yeah. Have a lot of, give a lot of grace and understanding. For sure. And I wanted to dive into the next one. And maybe this has to do with taking a long shower. Do you feel like entrepreneurs need a morning routine or do you do you have one that you like or any tips or maybe gadgets that you use or creams yeah anything? I mean <laughs> I think everyone needs your team I think routine mm-hmm. is an important part of success and you just need to find one that serves you best if you know that is in the morning great if you cannot make it happen in the morning and it has to happen in the evening. If you can do both even better, but I also have found myself in times where I'm so attached to a morning routine where if I can't do it because something comes up, you know, kids get sick or something happens, then I, it can completely throw off my day. And so I've had to relinquish control a little bit and just, you know, yes, try to do morning routine every day. And if I can't, I've got a couple grounding things within that routine that I'll squeeze into uh, midday, you know, maybe a, a lunch break. And usually those anchoring things for me is a meditation. And for meditation, I'll use the Calm app as well as big fan of an app called Trip, T-R-I-P-P. So it's a virtual reality meditation very neat um so yes it's fun that's super cool it is it is so if anyone has an oculus check out trip or another vr it's not just on the oculus usually meditation and a quick peloton ride those are kind of my two grounding items and then yes most days i try to make space for uh you know journaling gratitude reviewing goals uh just giving myself space to think. Um, So I'll try to carve out a couple hours in the morning before everyone wakes up. But realistically, you know, there's a couple days a week where it just doesn't happen. And I have to just kind of be graceful with myself and say, it's okay. The day can go on. (laughs) Yeah, I I have the same perfect. I guess I would also call it like perfection profession yeah <laughs> perfectionistic I don't know if that's a word but being a perfectionist yeah and you're so excited the night before I'm gonna wake up at this time she's then I'm gonna have two hours it's free time and I'm gonna get this done in that time and then I'm gonna do this other thing and it, 
I have to give myself grace too, because there's been, especially here in, in Texas, sometimes there's really high allergies because it never gets very cold. Yeah. So it doesn't freeze and the allergy content can be high, even though it doesn't affect me that much, thankfully, but it will give me some sinus pressure. So there could be mornings mm-hmm. when I wake up and I need to sleep that extra hour in order to be productive for the rest of the day. So then I need to forgive myself for sleep. <laughs> I completely understand what you mean. Absolutely. For sure. I think it is that perfectionist trait. <laughs> yeah. And then you, you could also feel like behind because if you plan certain things to do in those one to three hours of the morning before everybody got up and then you're like, well, I didn't get those done. So now I'm behind. It's a, that's a constant mental groundingness or letting go yes. for, for me to yes. if something doesn't go as planned. It's a cycle. It, it is. And like you said, giving grace. And that leads me to the next question. Ashley, what do you feel like or how do you handle when any kind of resistance starts to come up? What should the <laughs> could be resistance for what we just talked about? Yeah, good question. The number one thing I do when I'm feeling resistant to anything is so simple. Pause, get quiet, go inside, whether that's taking a 10 minute break and just, you know, thinking, uh, or if I have the luxury of time, a hike, hike is a great way get in nature. You're with your own thoughts. Um, usually I'll just, you know, start with the meditation and journal and give myself some space to get clear on my own thoughts, which is so important because I do have to work hard to filter out other people's opinions or get out of comparison mode and just focus on how I'm feeling, why I'm feeling a certain way, what's the lesson here, and what do I need to do to take action in order to assure that it it does map back to what my life goals are. Uh, And the only way I can do that is by getting quiet. And you may be in a complete opposite. Uh, This came up for me recently, a friend. Um, You could be in the opposite form of what I'm in. When I meet resistance, I need to get quiet because I'm always go, 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 do, do, do. Uh, Where my friend who has a lot more um, importance on quiet for her when she meets resistance she needs to do she needs to take action whether it's the right action or not she needs to do something um so it's kind of finding that opposite of what's your natural your natural go-to setting i love that point i would say too probably in in marriage or in romantic relationships that I mean, I am with my partner, I'm more of a verbal processor and he's more of going internal and getting quiet. So I, he has voiced to me that it's helpful if I say that too, like, I need to talk this through or I need to, I need to verbally process this with you. Yes. Yes. I think it's like that for a lot of relationships, a lot of couples, and that's a great balance. It's definitely not a negative thing that you guys have different communication styles. I 
think that is how you find a great balance and learn and grow. I agree because he also tells me, I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm going to need some time to process this. And then can we talk about it in a few hours instead of immediately answering me or me pressuring him too? then he communicates that to me. I know that I don't need to keep asking the question and (laughs) I can take a step back to like, that's awesome. Yeah. Just let me know when you're ready to to talk about that. I'm the same way. I like to internalize for a while before I say what I want to say, because sometimes what I want to say is, isn't what comes out if things are being talked out. (laughs) So whether it's relationships, I always say, okay, I need some time to think about the best way to do this. I love saying that in in emails too. Like, let me think on this or let me noodle on this or something like that. And I, or I'll say, I'll get back to you end of day on this topic. Let me. For sure. I I agree. That's helped me. It's it's helped save me from maybe unhealthy situations. <laughs> yeah. It definitely makes the situations more healthy and clear communication. I I agree with you. Yes. And this is a similar question. How do you feel like you handle well it might be internal self-talk, the negativity, the being in comparison mode, you know, hearing the negative voices of people maybe in your life that don't quite understand you? How do you handle that? Well, I'd have to say I am certainly what you would call overly optimistic. So negativity flies right past me. If someone has a negative opinion about something, I'm like, oh man, I'm sorry you don't see it the way I do because I am excited and this is going to be great. And I've just always been a dreamer since I was a little girl. And Now that I'm older, I've lived long enough to see many of those dreams come true, which has just built my confidence in myself and and with the universe. And just keep on being optimistic. I think what you seek is seeking you and it serves me well. Don't get me wrong. There's definitely times where I find myself disappointed, but I'm still happy that I was overly optimistic then. Um, Not... And I would have to say, though, I enjoy living in this overly optimistic bubble, but do know I keep myself surrounded by people that I very much so trust who could very well be categorized as realists. And that keeps me grounded when I need it. That's great. It's great feedback. Yeah, I'd say my partner is also a realist and even my child is, is a realist to some extent. She has a good balance. Yeah. And and myself too. I think I'm more of a, I'm super analytical, yet at the same time, I have an easier time seeing all the different paths that, that someone or myself could go down. And then if there's three, then this would be the outcome of that one and this, that one and that one. And then also looking at the big picture. Okay, well, what is the, what is the outcome that we want here? That would be best for everybody. And then which is the path that's going to get us to that outcome? That's more how my brain works. Yes, agree. 
And this is one of my favorite ones, Ashley, and you were touching on how you've been a dreamer since you were little. And I've, I would love to hear a childhood story reflecting on, could be about events, like gathering people together. So I love what I do with marketing. It drives me. It feels, it's fun. I enjoy it. And growing up, I wouldn't say this is a story, but growing up, like many kids, I loved to play video games. And my brother and I had a Nintendo. And for most of our childhood, we only had a couple of games. And once you beat the game, it's done. And you kind of have to find and make up new challenges within a game to keep it exciting. So my brother and I, um, we'd play a lot of Mario. So we'd say, okay, we've beat the whole game. Now let's see how quickly can we beat it? Let's see how many coins we can get and just kind of max out and create these different challenges within a game to keep it exciting and fun when you're playing the same game over and over and over again. And honestly, that's a lot of marketing, uh, a lot of event marketing. I've got a base strategy that works. That's where we start. And then once we dive in and it's being executed, you, you gotta, you gotta get in there and get creative and, you know, optimize some things. And so having an obsession for video games, and I like to tell this story because one, I have kids who love to play video games and two, just growing up, loving video games and not being the greatest student I also while I had big dreams for myself (laughs) maybe my parents at the time were a little worried about what my future may look like Uh, it's okay video games serve a purpose and it really developed that muscle of optimization for me which is the aspect of marketing that I love how do I take a campaign that is flailing and bring it back to life or how do I take an already successful campaign and just blow it out of the water and make it better and send new benchmarks for ourselves yeah the amen amen to all of that I love <laughs> I didn't I wasn't allowed to have a, a Nintendo or it was seen as I I grew up I guess in more in poverty I as you would say and so I was told, oh, it's too expensive, it's too expensive. And then I had a job, my first job when I mean, I had like a little businesses going on on the playground and things to try to make extra money. I had my, I think I was 14 and I rode my rollerblades to my first job at a local pool. And then I took some of that money and I bought a used Sega and some games. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> like Sonic Yes. Um, and the hedgehog. So since I bought it, my parents couldn't really say yeah. how much about it because I I bought it. And then it. I think I got a used Nintendo too at some point. What was Mortal Kombat on? Was that on Sega too? I don't Because I think I, I bought that one and I bought Street Fighter. And then I would read the combos that you could do for those and yes. <laughs> play my brother. I have a brother too, an older brother, and he would get very upset that I would beat him. If I beat him, because he was 
extremely (laughs) great at all the games like anything he did he was great at the video games and sports too so if I was able to beat him he would be like I think you were cheating you and I was like no I read the manual I know these combinations now I can do like fireball and special flips or or chains and and I had a a great time trying to remember those and then practicing against the game and then playing whoever would play me (laughs) yes I think reading the manual my brother and I once bought a a Mario magazine and kids these days they've just got that instant access to YouTube and it's so Mm -hmm. interesting yeah how quickly uh, you can just kind of get around those learning curves that's true my daughter was watching in what is that with the bot with the bot minecraft she was she got she made her own discord server and had friends there and Mm -hmm. got into discord and really into minecraft and would be doing her homework and watching some tutorials on the other screen (laughs) minecraft and i encouraged it i was like this is awesome that you're learning these new skills and still able to do you know, do your homework or I don't yeah. even know how kids these days multitask like that but they seem like they can yeah for sure if you were starting a new business today Ashley what do you feel like would be the top five mm-hmm. things that you wish you had known before and now you know and you you learned along the way I'd say if I reflect back on you know, times of success in my past or times of failure. I would say they're not things I wish I'd known. They're things that were already happening, but I needed constant reminders because you do get into ruts as an entrepreneur. And one of the first ones that comes to mind is knowing that I absolutely have what it takes to do it. And not to doubt myself, just get to work, just get started and don't stop, which could kind of go into my second one. And you mentioned Marie Forleo, so this is very (laughs) on point with that. Everything's figure outable. Every problem, you can figure it out. And as you figure out tough problems or get past a challenge, that has fueled me. And it's built my confidence and it also helps you make more money. I mean, your income is a reflection of the level of problems that you can solve. And so having that mindset, and I also, I had this mindset before Marie Forleo gave it a term, uh, everything is figure outable. Uh, I would Google everything. I figured everything out on Google. But just, you know, because I was built my business right as social media marketing became a thing. And there just wasn't all of the courses and content creation out there. And you just had to do it and see what happens. Another one would be surround yourself with people who are going through what you're going through and can hold you accountable. You guys can hold each other accountable. But in the same sense, surround yourself with people who are, you know, where you aspire to be, who you can learn from, um, who can help mentor you. And 
that's been, again, these are all things that I've done, but things you forget along the way and you have to kind of get back to it. Um, and in that same vein, network, network, network. The first three years I was in business, uh, wasn't making a lot of money. And so to feed myself, I would go to, uh, I was involved in things like BNI, Business Network International, and my local chambers of commerce. And between all these different networking events that were out there for entrepreneurs, and this was 15 years ago, and these groups are all still here today. So someone could still do this today if you're listening to this. Um, I didn't have a lot of money. And so to feed myself, I would go to a breakfast networking meeting, a lunch networking meeting, and there's usually like a sunset mixer, happy hour hors d'oeuvres thing. So I would go to all these networking meetings to get a good meal and then also to network and meet people. And I almost networked pretty much full time for the first three years of my career where it built up a referral base for myself where I've never necessarily had to look too far to find business. Business has, you know, flown flowed into me um, after working really hard at building a good network of people and continuing to do so, but of course not on a full-time basis now. I'd say last thing is don't get too carried away. Once you kind of find a groove and start growing your business, I mean, there's been years where I go by where I haven't stopped and paused and thought, am I still on track? To where I want to be in 30 years, 20 years, 10 years. It's easy to think, am I on track to where I want to be in the next, you know, one to three years? Um, but take time to pause, whether it's monthly, quarterly, or even yearly, to really reflect on where you where you are going so you can course correct. Uh, the last thing you'd want to do is just get five, 10 years into something and realize, I wish I would have done this, or I didn't realize this is where I was going to end up. And if you just take that time to pause and reflect, um, it's okay to make changes. It's okay to change your mind. And priorities in life can change, especially as you grow as a person. Uh, when I first started my career, my number one goal is I wanted to be rich. I wanted to make lots of money. And as you get older, sure, you still want to make money, but but what that means has different meaning. Um, you know, you've got different priorities. You've got children. You want to focus more on relationships and being happy. And uh, um, so just taking time to reflect and make sure you're on a path that you want to be going on. I think that was five. Yeah, those, those <laughs> kind all, of flowed together. All, all. But yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Ashley. Yeah, those are all great. And especially the last one, I, I relate. I'm at this point, I want to really take care of the people that are in my circle and yes. uh, my my best friends when they come to see me. I want to make sure that they feel cared for and and pampered. That's yes. kind of weird. Yeah, they have done that for me in in the past. You know, as I was building my business, and I, that is part of and leaving a legacy for children and the next generations Absolutely. that's in, extremely important and part of my daily motivation 
to yes. take to take great be able to take great care of myself and future generations and loved ones really pamper them that they feel that they know that they feel taken care of and that's great I wanted to go into the next one too about I mean maybe this is similar to what you feel like traits that have either that you embody or that you are growing in or that you feel like really equivalent to okay this I've seen this a lot in entrepreneurs. This is something uh, such as resilience is a big one that I've seen will almost a lot of times again be built on and really ensure your success in entrepreneurship or in having your own business. Like it's one of the foundational, I, I feel like one of the foundational traits such as that. Yes. So we're in interesting times. When I first started my business, when I went out on my own and was starting my own consulting career, it was 2009, which was a really difficult time to start a business. <laughs> we were going through a recession and, you know, there's many talks of that now happening now or going to be happening. And I'm in a very different place in my business now, of course, than I was in 2009. So it looks, the landscape looks different to me. Um, I see more opportunity in a recession. I certainly did back in 2009, just being overly optimistic as I was, but I would say it was funny because I was reflecting on this and knowing, you know, where the economy is and where I want to take my business in the next two to three years. The the traits that I need to exude now are the exact same ones I needed in 2009. And I guess this could be always not just recession time, but I'd say number one, resourcefulness, have to be resourceful, especially uh, if anyone's in marketing. I mean, there's always, or business in general, there's budget cuts. You got to, you know, audit your expenses. You got to get rid of what you don't need. And focus on, you know, where you can get creative um, with your resources. And that's just like one of the things I love about Ice Cream Social in a sense is that that's tapping into word of mouth marketing, which can, is kind of a free area of marketing when you compare it against other channels like meta ads. Um, and that's um, you know, looking at things from a creative direction and getting resourceful. I'd say the second trait would be the ability to execute as entrepreneurs or a side hustler or freelancer. It's so easy to think you need to acquire more knowledge or you need to be at this place before you can actually start executing. And you just need to execute. You have to get started. And just stay on that path and trust that you're doing the right thing, that you have faith in yourself, just execute the work and don't overthink it. A little action is better than no action. You'll make mistakes along the way, but you'll learn and you can move quicker that way. And then the third one I would say is right in line with that, with execution would be decisiveness. Things move so quickly this day and age. It, you have to be 
able to make quick decisions and move forward and not kind of sit and stew on things for too long just because the landscape is changing so quickly always so quickly and there's something that I've said in other podcasts or I like to tell myself is if not me then who or if not like if there's only going to be one of me and if I have an idea Mm -hmm. and I decide to execute that if not me then then who else is going to do it exactly or even if somebody is doing something similar it's still gonna I'm gonna have my own flavor or they're gonna have their own flavor or their own flavor marketing where that attracts different kinds of people exactly yes and that's just kind of like an abundance mindset there's enough to go around for everyone and everyone's going to attract a different group of people and Mm -hmm. that's okay that's exactly how I feel. And I've seen it time and time again with other women or other female founders who are doing maybe doing something similar. And then we get to know each other more. And we realize that, you know, for example, I love supporting women who are in business owners who are further along in their journey and they already have a level of income and tried and true methods of course they're flexible to mentoring but they are kind of know their mission they have a solid impact or social footprint and whereas a lot of uh, other people that i've talked to you know they really they might really enjoy working with business owners who are starting out and they maybe don't know their colors or they are still harnessing their vision it's just no judgment because we've all been there, but I I love that there's those small differentiations with all of us it, if we get to know each other a little bit more. And that encourages me that, yes, there is enough clients for everybody and enough space. And, and at the beginning, understanding the difference between Eventbrite and Ice Cream Social and Ticket Socket that... I then can understand why someone would utilize your company because that's a different niche and a, a completely different tool. Whereas looking at it maybe on the surface, we may not understand sure. all the differentiations in that. And yeah, absolutely. The The next one, Ashley, was wondering if there's any strategies that you feel like in your area, in event, in the event space that people just, they just really have no idea about. I mean, I can think of maybe a few off the top of my head. I'm, I'm not technically in the event space, uh, you know, as a day-to-day, uh, I have done a lot of events and tried different methods. And I'm really curious uh, also <laughs> this question. And why are those different strategies that people overlook? Why are they important? When I speak to the event industry, speaking specifically to marketing an event, and I mentioned my background, that's all I've done the past 17 years, digital marketing. So no matter what industry I'm in, I found this to be true. And it is the ability to understand both strategy and tactical skill. This is one of the things that My mentor taught me, one of my mentors taught me early, early on 
um, I was very tactical. I was like, let's do this. Let's do that. And she really made sure that I took the time to understand strategy and actively built strategic plans and how these strategic plans ladder up to overall company goals um, so that I knew how to best tactically execute a plan. And so over the years, I really learned that many people understand strategy or tactical execution and not both. And I personally have just found it so invaluable to have a deep understanding of both. And it does force me to exercise both sides of my brain. So I have to fluidly be able to go from creativity mode to execution mode to analytical mode. And I think that has really made the difference into why I've been able to find success in marketing is being able to understand both because it's really easy to get stuck on the big shiny, let's do this um, because it's new or let's keep doing this because it's always worked. Um, and being able to kind of fit everything together like a puzzle piece because nothing can work independently. You need to be able to pull it all together to have the most successful marketing plan, to have the lowest cost per acquisition, to have the tightest marketing budget that you can. Um, so I have to say just a deep understanding of both strategy and tactic, tactical execution, tactical skill. I love your points on that. And the, the, the word that came to mind was the fluidity too. To, yes. Like you're talking about the fluidity going back and forth and then being able to tie them together. Like you were saying. It, it does take practice and it takes the foresight to properly plan my schedule for the week uh, to know when I have to use which side of the brain and to build in, you know, space in between when I have to go from creativity mode to, okay, buckle down and analyze these numbers mode. Uh, I have to have like a transition in between to be able to, you know, shift my brain in that, that direction. That makes a lot of sense. I, I had never thought about it like that, of, of even creating that buffer time between both of those. I feel during most days, we're probably as entrepreneurs going through, we don't even realize it unconsciously, fluidly going back and forth between both of those. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say too, something I that came to mind about an overlooked strategy in the event space was, well, two things I was going to say about the last question. One of them, we reached out when we had people D, I mean, when we had people RSVP for our events, we sent a personal message to each one mm -hmm. with their name and how we were something about their business and how we were looking forward to seeing them at the event. And it took a little extra time to do that and have guide someone on my team to be able to execute that. There were times, especially at the beginning, I was doing all those messages so if 75 people RSVP'd and I was sending 75 messages in that time and then maybe answering questions about the event, because a lot of times it would start a conversation, even if they didn't yeah. come to the event, it would start the blossoming of a new relationship online. And 
I felt like that was a huge overlooked strategy that a lot of people do not do. And I have signed up for events and even asked questions to get no answer you know, back from mm -hmm. them. And so I, I definitely think that that's one that came to mind. Yes, I, I think you're right in line with that idea of your customer data is your greatest asset. And how are you going to use that? I think everyone is always so focused on acquiring new customers. But if you took the time to nurture your existing customer database with things like that, taking the time to have these one-on-one -on -one conversations, taking the time to incentivize them in a way that they want to be incentivized and, you know, really uh, having a marketing strategy to market and build relationship with your existing customers, you're going to find that that is going to be your lowest cost of marketing is working with them. If you can figure out the right way to do it for sure. Well, that's a great, that's great. Yeah. I love that. And I know we're pretty much out of time and I just want to make sure that everybody knows we're going to put the show notes at the bottom of this episode and, and we're everywhere, Google play, Spotify, Amazon music. Now our website, and then you'll see all the information in the show notes about how to contact Ashley to get set up with Ticket Socket to get the ice cream social set up for doing the word of mouth for your events, get your events sold out, all the marketing things and digital marketing things related to events. Make sure to look in those show notes and figure out how to get in touch with Ashley. And thank you so much for being here with us today. Yes, thank you, Allison.